3: apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast that's
4: right
5: hi everyone we wanted to include a quick content warning for this episode regarding a discussion we have about something in today's film that can easily be interpreted as sexual misconduct thanks for listening
1: on the Bechdel cast, the question's asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast.
5: Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And this is our movie, or uh, this is our movie. Nope, this is, we made a movie. This is our movie. Welcome to our movie. <laughs> Uh, this is our podcast.
0: It's been on for four years. I don't know why
5: I said it was a movie. Well, I thought you were going to say, like, this is our movie podcast. This is our movie. Oh, I could have saved it in that way. You could have just really seamlessly fixed it without anyone being any wiser.
0: Well, I only do one take. (laughs) That's uh, something I famously do. We're talking about Ghost World today on our podcast, which is about movies that, uh, that yeah, and it's been on for many years.
5: Oh, our podcast is about Oh, I thought you meant the Ghost World
0: is about movies. I'm like am I I just like sorry, I just got out of a lobotomy, so that's why I'm sounding this way.
5: It's difficult. It's a difficult day. Um we- 500 degrees <laughs> so- today and <laughs> my brain is just boiling in my head. Um, is this
0: a podcast? This is a podcast. It's
5: a podcast about movies in which we examine the story through an intersectional feminist lens. Mm-hmm. It's inspired by the Bechtel test
0: by queer uh, cartoonist Allison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel Wallace test, mm-hmm. that requires, uh, for our purposes, that two characters that are not coded male with names speak to each other about something other than a coded male character. Four, two lines of dialogue. Doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. But it does happen. Should we
5: test it out? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, hmm. Jamie. Yes, Caitlin. Yep, no, I was going to pull a quote from the movie and nothing fits. So never mind. That's okay. I have no problem <laughs> with that. And that passes the test. Yep. <laughs> Things that aren't good dialogue pass the test all the time. It's true. Uh, Let's introduce our guest. Yes. She is the creator and star of Difficult People. She is the co-host of Double Threat Podcast. It's Julie Klausner.
6: Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thanks
5: for having me. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. So we're talking about Ghost World. Um, Julie, what's your relationship with this movie?
7: I love Ghost World. This is one of my favorite movies, and I'm excited to talk about it in the context of uh, the Bechtel test because the film itself was so dramatically different from the book source material. Mm-hmm. And a mm-hmm. lot of people have, you know, take great issue in the focus of the film being on the relationship between Enid and Seymour, as opposed to Enid and Rebecca. And mm-hmm. I completely understand that. I think of them as two completely different works, but, um, I think it's really interesting to talk about that in the context of female coded characters speaking to each other about Mm -hmm. things besides a a man or a crush. And while I think that, you know, this is definitely a step in the, (laughs) in the failure of that test direction. I I just think it's such an outstanding movie in its own right, exclusive of the source material that um, I'm just, always excited to talk about ghost world so are you familiar with the source material have you read the comics yes oh cool okay nice that's helpful for us yeah. <laughs> we don't not. quiz me because also I didn't rewatch this for the podcast I just figured I've seen it so many times that I'll you know for sure just don't, yeah, just don't sure. quiz me I'm gonna fail you know what fuck it quiz me no let's do it quiz me I'm ready let's do it on page 47 oh fuck you come, uh, on.
5: The- come on come on how dare you jamie what's your relationship with this film uh very short
0: i had not seen this movie before i um i don't know i've been it's been recommended to me for years and years and it was just one of those movies that i had not gotten around to seeing and i don't it's like one of those movies that when i finally did watch it i don't know what i thought it was about but it's not Whatever it was, it is not what the movie is actually about. I feel like there's there's a ton to talk about here. Yeah, yeah, I'm very conflicted. Like I think that if I if I had seen this movie when it came out and or like when I was a teen, I would feel probably different about it than just coming in to watch it for the Bechdel cast.
5: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. What about you, Caitlin? Had you seen this before? I had. Um, I saw it. I think when I was a freshman in college um, and that would have been a few years after it came out, that would have been in like oh four oh five. I was about the same age as the characters. And I, <laughs> I was also going to be like, I'm sure if I had seen this when it came out, I would feel differently about it, but I kind of did see it at that age. And I, I um, do not, I can't say that I like this movie and I have reasons. I also am <laughs> not a fan of this movie. Uh, it's I, I don't know. I mean, but i I know it's value. and I oh so it, okay. so it's a huge. it's a big cult classic. Yes, it is very meaningful and very valuable to a lot of people such as yourself, Julie. I want to acknowledge that. But again, yeah, I think because, like Jamie and I, we're watching it mostly through the lens of our podcast it it's it. there's
7: some issues (laughs) oh I'm oh certainly (laughs) there's some issues even not yeah there's issues exclusive of the podcast absolutely true (laughs) yeah I I think the thing
0: that bumped me the most on this watch and like analysis of it was how much this movie attempts to deal with race for an exclusively white cast and like in front of the the camera and behind like it's just it
7: just, this is the whitest movie on earth. No, there's, there's no there's no race in this world. There's no race in this world. But no. it also
0: tries to address race through like a lot of different plot it points shouldn't. and That's side a plot. Huge it, it shouldn't. Yeah, Correct. I guess what I'm saying is it's it is very bizarre. I think that the yeah the most surprising thing to me about the story like I was kind I was like okay I'm sure that it will be dated in a number of ways uh in in the way it treats its characters but i was surprised that this movie even
7: attempted to address race and uh you mean in terms of the of the poster of the old poster yeah yeah that seymour has I think that's more about the lens of like a white person dealing with what art is because after this, he made Art School Confidential, which is about being an artist in, you know, art school, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and that sort of debate that you have internally, these four walls and how different that is from the world outside. But the, the race of it, I think, is just a total prop for the white characters to have a point of departure. It could have been almost anything. right Right. which means like it shouldn't have been race
0: yeah it's like so they should have just i feel like they just should have chosen something something else that they were qualified to tackle yeah Yeah. they
7: could have they could have chosen anything else that's from olden times that's not Mm. okay absolutely Um, and we'll talk
5: more about that in a little bit but um should i just dive into the story and we'll we'll go from there yeah Let's do it. All right. So, we meet Enid and Rebecca played by Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson respectively. Mm-hmm. They are graduating from high school. They are a little they're not like the other girls. They're a little counter they're, they're not like the not other not girls. like the other girls. They think that everything sucks, which I personally can relate to. So, in that way, yeah, I get it. It's peak like 17-year-old which is in a way that is like sometimes painful to look at. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Enid discovers that she has to go to summer school and retake an art class. We learn just a little bit about their backstories as well. Um, They are not going to go to college. They plan to just enter the workforce and get an apartment together and move in together. Then they see an ad in the personal section for a guy who is looking for this um, striking blonde woman who he had met at an airport shuttle and he thought they, he had a connection with her. Mm-hmm. So they call him to more or less prank him. They pretend to be the striking blonde um, and tell him to go to this diner called Wowsville, <laughs> which is great. Love it. Great name. So Enid and Rebecca wait for him there and they bring their friend, Josh, played by brad renfro who will find that like enid maybe has a crush on and so does maybe rebecca not totally sure Not totally clear and then in i don't know there's some context
0: for that too in like the ways that studios were trying to push this script to go there's versions of this script where uh he takes on way more significance than he does in the finished in in the version that was released
5: Mm mm-hmm And then the man from the ad shows up to Wellsville, And you'll never believe who it is. It's Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. And he sits there, he waits, and they take pity on him and decide to follow him home. He is selling records at a garage sale because he's a record collector and he's a music enthusiast. And they decide to go talk to him. They find out his name is Seymour. Rebecca thinks he's a loser, but Enid is like... I think he's kind of cool. Mm. So Enid listens to the record that she had bought from him. She really likes it. She goes back to see him and they talk about music. And then she and Rebecca go to a party at Seymour's. Um, David Cross is there and he tries to hit on <laughs> Rebecca. And then Seymour is like, Enid, I can't believe you came to this party. I'm, I'm such a loser. I, I haven't even had a girlfriend in four years. And she's like, well, I'll help you find a girlfriend. And then meanwhile, um, we see Enid in her art class. Mm-hmm. We see her her teacher criticizing her art projects that she brings in. Her teacher in.
0: hates cartoons. Yes. You draw a cartoon. This is like Daniel Klaus, like grinding a very personal axe and I think, a very obvious way where he's like, you know how art teachers think cartoons are fucking stupid? Well, guess what? They're not. Like, that's kind of his whole... <laughs> axe to grind in the beginning of this storyline. If you draw a cartoon, you suck. So I guess mm-hmm. he had a teacher that felt that way at some point and he's uh, he's not over it.
5: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the teacher in this movie is often telling Enid that her projects are not thoughtful or political enough. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Rebecca has gotten a job at a coffee shop. We will see Rebecca kind of becoming... Adhering more and more to like societal conventions and expectations Mm -hmm. uh, and that she starts dressing a little bit more kind of conventionally and she um, gets a job and she wants to have her own home and things like that while Enid is still sort of trying to live the, the counterculture life. Mm-hmm. And then Enid and Seymour go to a bar to watch music, and she tries to set him up with this random woman there. He, it doesn't work out. And then they go back to Seymour's house, and um, she finds this old poster from a chicken fast food restaurant where he works as an assistant manager at their corporate headquarters, and this poster shows a very racist name and image that the restaurant used to like use so she takes it with her this poster and brings it into her art class as a found art project Mm -hmm. and she says that with this piece she's making a statement about racism and how it's whitewashed in our culture and everyone in the class is like wow that's pretty fucked up but the teacher is like Wow, what a remarkable achievement. Mm -hmm. Then we see um, Enid celebrating Seymour's birthday with him. And while this is happening, he receives a call from the real striking blonde woman who he had placed the ad about. Dana. Dana, yep. Enid convinces him to call her back, and he meets her. And they turn out to not have anything in common, but they start seeing each other anyway, to Enid's dismay. Mm -hmm. Now, meanwhile, her art piece of the racist poster is put on display at a student art show, but people are demanding its removal. Enid isn't even there to defend herself because she goes over to Seymour's and she's like, hey, let's hang out. And he's like, I don't think it's a good idea that we hang out anymore. And It's like, okay, this is just occurring to him now. Yes. And it's
0: like, he's he's like, wait, hold on. I'm Steve Buscemi and my best friend is 17. The
5: optics of this are not so good. Yes. Another huge issue I take with this film. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, fine. I won't bother you anymore. And then Rebecca is like, Hey, you, you clearly don't want to live with me anymore. So fuck you. And it also lives, uh, loses out on her scholarship opportunity for this art Academy. Um. Mm-hmm. So this is what we would call the low point of the film. <laughs> and she's sad. So she goes over to Seymour's again and she's like, "How come you never asked me out when I was trying to find you a girlfriend? What if I just move in with you?" And he's like, shrug, and then they have sex,
0: which I truly <laughs> did
5: not think was going to happen. Was going to happen in the
0: movie? <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen, and then and then there it is, and it happens. And I was just, know, just like, this, "Oh, oh, okay." Uh, and then uh, oh. <laughs> Steve Buscemi pivots so many times. <laughs> mhm. He's like we shouldn't hang out anymore because you're 17. He's like I thought about it and we should actually get married because
5: you're 17. I'm like okay. <laughs> okay, Susie oh, shabby. Yep. And then so Enid seems to regret this decision to have sex with him immediately and starts blowing him off and then decides to move move in with Rebecca again. Meanwhile, Seymour finds out from Rebecca about the prank that they played on him at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that she is in love with Josh, their friend who shows up every 45 minutes. Right. So, he, so Seymour goes to confront him, ends up in the hospital. Enid comes to visit Seymour in the hospital and she apologizes and she's like, actually, you're my hero. You're the coolest person I know. But then Enid leaves. It seems like although she and Rebecca have made up their kind of lives are headed on different paths. Mm -hmm. We see Seymour in therapy. He's talking about his breakup with Enid. Uh, And then Enid gets on a bus that is out of service and it might be a metaphor for her dying. It's a meta. It's a metaphor. The whole metaphor (laughs)
0: bus guy that you're like, Oh right. This was a book first.
5: Yes. (laughs) Metaphor bus equals it was a book. (laughs) So that's the story. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and then we will come right back to discuss. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to
0: 50 Feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio
6: app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host.
4: A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: One of the things that stood out to me about this movie is, was what you were saying uh, earlier, Julie, was that I thought that this movie was going to be way more about Enid and Rebecca, but Scarlett Johansson is actually not in this movie that much.
7: No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rebecca's not a very fleshed out character in the movie
0: Mm-mm. yeah i i guess i it's interesting because i i i wish that and i'm assuming in the books that there was more focus on rebecca because this movie i mean it's not really taking this side of either one of them on their approach to life and i kind of appreciate that it's like okay they are taking different paths and that is neither a good nor a bad thing but but it is it is so like just i don't know there's so much about this movie that you're just like oh 17 year olds are so frustrating where like enid <laughs> is constantly mad at rebecca like how dare you have a job for to support and i'm like you fucking brat i just got so frustrated with enid every step of this movie cuz she's i i she is very isolated by her own you know by her own mentality and by her own approach to life Mm -hmm. but then it's like there's so much like privilege tied up in the ways that she's frustrating like she's mad that her friend has to have a job to survive which is like Mm -hmm. yeah that's frustrating for everybody but more so the people doing it than (laughs) their friends and Mm -hmm. like i don't know yeah i i we don't i guess i don't really know enough about rebecca to really be attached to her but of the two I was Team Rebecca. Team Rebecca. (laughs) Yeah. Team Grow Up and Get a Life.
5: Sure. Again, like I see the value in this movie in that there weren't that many thoughtful or subversive portrayals of teen girls in media at this time. And I think that's why a lot of people latched on to it so much. And again, I appreciate what it's doing. In many ways, I relate to Enid and Rebecca. Like I was similar to them in some ways when I was a teenager. There are are other ways in which I can't and don't relate to them. But isn't that the way with characters? Um, (laughs) For me, it's just like, as subversive as it is, the things that it tries to subvert, in many cases, it mishandles. It's it's hard because it's I I was thinking a little bit about when we and they're
0: they're extremely different movies. But I guess as an example of when we talked about Carrie a couple of years ago, where that is like the experience of a teen girl in a very different genre. But it's told through the lens of so many different people who did not and could not possibly share the experience of a teen girl that it all kind of. Like it feels like there are things that are true and relatable and like very emotionally poignant about it, but then it kind of gets lost because it's like okay, you know, a man originally wrote this book, and then a different man. They're both, you know, I'm sure emotionally sensitive and wonderful people, but there's some stuff that just feels a little off and rings a little hollow. And I I think that part of it can be attributed to that, um, Mm -hmm. where it's like too. Wait, wait,
7: Brian De Palma is not a sensitive.
0: (laughs)
8: <laughs> no I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just I just want
0: to get that in there <laughs> but as far as like Terry and Daniel go they seem to be like a well-intentioned writing team that want to portray these experiences honestly but I just kind of wish that they had like spoken to and, and credited more women in that process and the whole work probably would have been elevated if, if that were the case. The same thing goes for the, I think, kind of big misses they make with the comments they try to make on races. Like, you know, it's just they are not qualified to be making these statements. And I think that where it does succeed is where they're trying to communicate how clueless both Enid and Seymour are about racism and how they are saying a lot of things but clearly not understanding them to the point where Enid is literally trying to like advance herself off of the work of other people and off of the idea of racism without really doing any critical thinking or introspection about it. Mm -hmm. And that reads pretty clearly But then what? Like, you have to have a black person involved in the production and you have to have a black character. Otherwise, you're just saying, like, I don't understand racism. Here it is. Here. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) It just doesn't. It just felt very strange to me.
5: I agree. I think, too, that so the comic book was written by Daniel Klaus. He Mm -hmm. co-wrote the screenplay with Terry Wygoff who directed the film so that yep. those are our those are our people who are telling this story um I feel like this is another case of like men observing women in the world and thinking I get it I see how <laughs> I women yeah. be so I, I'll tell their story and to me we see a lot of this like you know, these girls are not like the other girls, which I want to clarify yeah. something about that, because um, every time I teach my my screenwriting class, my students are always like, I just want to make sure my girl isn't like one of the girls who's not like the other girls. And I'm like, because I think it can maybe be easily misinterpreted. Um, What we take issue with is the idea that a woman will behave a certain way because she does not want to be perceived as being like other women because other women equals bad because like femininity or womanhood or anything like that is a negative thing right and they're trying to disassociate themselves with that that is what we mean by this when we comment on this trope right and this is kind of what the characters are doing especially in how they they view other female characters in this movie because even though enid and rebecca have a what feels like a strong relationship at first although it deteriorates over the course of the movie right there are various other characters like a classmate of theirs named melora who they who just seems to want to hang out with them and they're like she's so awful enid hates her like i guess former stepmom or like a a, an ex-girlfriend of her dad's who he starts dating again Um, We're not really sure why she hates her. I think the way that the art teacher and the star art student is also kind of telling, too,
0: where it's like the star art teacher is very I mean, again, I'm just like I think that it genuinely is Daniel Klaus grinding some old acts that he has from high school. But but it is it's like this uh, woman who only wants to see art about like abortion and vagina and the student who gets rewarded is a like i think she's like made out to be this overly serious artist who only makes things about abortion and vagina and that is rewarded and so it's like yeah the way that other (laughs) women are characterized it is a little like you know enid and rebecca are the outliers what i do appreciate is that enid and rebecca are clearly flawed and it's made clear to the audience that their way of life is not sustainable or like quote unquote Mm. right but it is given the most focus. Right.
5: I, don't know. I think, like, kind of piggybacking off of that, the way that feminism is represented in the movie is made to seem, like, foolish and, like, that feminists are ridiculous because, like, the art that this student is making that the teacher is really praising is, like, feminist art that's pro-choice and that's, you know, about their... Let me find the quote here. It's something about a shocking image of repressed femininity right and then there's also this moment where rebecca they're looking for apartments in like the in the newspaper and she's like oh here's one oh wait a minute you'd have to live with a feminist and her two cats <laughs> um so <laughs> it's again it's like i it, it's
0: a weird because it's like i understand what they're critiquing and it is kind of funny in moments where it's like I feel like the art teacher character and the star art student are critiquing like the overly serious art world of like, here's a cup and it symbolizes this serious issue. And I get Mm -hmm. that that is silly and like, it is funny to poke fun at that mentality, but it does seem to, but the, the, Again, it's it's similar to the fact that they choose race as a topic to make this critique they're not qualified to make. It doesn't quite read very well for like two straight male artists in collaboration to be like, we're going to poke fun at feminist art specifically. Like, why mm-hmm. why is that the art they specifically choose to pick on? There's so much overly serious art that you could, you know, choose and tell a, <laughs> right. a, a more effective joke. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. No.
5: Um. Well, J- Julie, curious because we so far we've only heavily criticized yeah, we the movie. <laughs> just like shit. What was it that drew you to this movie and to this
7: story and these characters? Like, why? I was exactly like Enid in high school. (laughs) I've never seen a character that's more represented exactly who I was at that age Mm -hmm. and at that point in my life. And I find it to be such a true representation of what it's like when the person that you fit in with because you're on the outskirts of everything is no longer someone that you can connect to and how completely rootless that is and during those transitional moments like the summer between high school and college being lost and then everyone else seemingly you know just falling into place and not feeling like you have anywhere to go and your sexuality is like overwhelming you know she talks about like being so horny and hating everyone at the same time which i think is such a Uh like a perfect encapsulation of that particular age where you're like fuck you get away from me but also fuck me because i'm desperate to connect um (laughs) that she so she looks forward in other places such as like connecting with seymour and you know trying to trying to you know trying to do things with her with her art and her work and her sketchbook but at the end she doesn't fit in anywhere she doesn't fit into the art world uh the seymour thing she realizes was like misguided and she feels gross about she can't go home anymore because maxine is back and she has a you know kind of a strange relationship with her sort of semi-cuckolded father to begin with and we don't know what her history was with maxine but it was ugly we don't know where a real mom is mm. and then she just stopped connecting to rebecca and i've been in friendships like that where you have this best girlfriend and it's you against the world. And then one day things are just different. And Mm -hmm. she wants to like pick tumblers at crate and barrel. And you're like, (laughs) I am not on board. We we used to like, we used to sit at diners and make fun of everything together. And there's Mm -hmm. such these like, there's these like beautiful little hat tips to, you know, the the times that they've spent, they spent so much time together in high school and all of the things that they've been through. And one of them is when Enid is doing that, like, little tag sale in her front yard. And uh, <laughs> Rebecca's like, oh, I remember this. This is from your little old lady phase.
5: Yeah, right.
7: And of course Enid, like, had a phase where she was dressing like a little old lady. <laughs> and of course Rebecca was there for it. Rebecca's definitely always been, like, the sort of beta friend. Uh Enid right. is definitely the more colorful of the two. It's definitely Enid's... Story that Rebecca's sort of always been like riding sidecar on Mm -hmm. at a certain point like they stop connecting or Rebecca realizes that she wants to drive the car and Enid suddenly fits nowhere and she she fulfills her fantasy of getting on a bus out of town and disappearing because Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't know where else to go or what else to do.
5: Yeah. And I think those are effective themes to explore in terms of like yeah. identity and where do I belong and who am I and who do I want to be now that I'm freshly an adult. And, and like and watching like, watching them fuck it up and like, you know,
0: yeah, it's not ready to be an adult
7: all. because she can't get rid of she can't get rid of that toy and the, in the <laughs> right. little tag sale. Goofy she's guests. not ready. She's not ready to move on, but she doesn't want to go back either.
5: Yeah. Right. And I think, I mean, well, here's where the quiz comes in, because I imagine that this is, I, and you hinted at this, but I imagine mm-hmm. this is what more of the comic books are, like a focus on the friendship between Enid yes. and Rebecca. Yes. To me, a more interesting movie would have been an exploration of that kind of deteriorating friendship and... And, you know, as you grow up, you grow apart and you you discover your interests and your priorities. And if they don't
7: align with the person you thought was your best friend, like, how do you reconcile that? It's and It's like, so sad. And there's like the last panel and that I mean, you're well, first of all, you're going to love the book because the book's just like all that. And her yeah, just okay. sort of seeing Rebecca having moved on and saying, like, you've become such a beautiful young woman. And it is heartbreaking Like to uh-huh. watch a, a friendship dissolve like that um, it's just so specific that is not what the movie is and I do mm-hmm. think that a lot of that has to do with casting I think Scarlett Johansson's is incredibly talented I don't think that she really breathed that much life into this particular character and, and so much of that is how it's written and directed obviously but mm-hmm. you get Steve Buscemi attached you're gonna want to hang out with Steve Buscemi and also <laughs> the chemistry between the two of them and that relationship being as weird as it was and also I'm coming from a background where I've had relationships like that where I was very precocious And I was hanging out with older men that were really interesting to me, even though they were nerds and weird and didn't fit in. And they were like, why are you interested in me? You're so young. And I was like, I don't really know. I just am looking for a friend at this point in my life. Cause I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where I belong. Cause I don't feel like I belong anywhere. And part Mm -hmm. of it is tied up in sexuality, but another part of it is just because you're reconciling something that's, that's gone, even though you need it so badly. And it's like the breakup of your best friend and, taking Mm -hmm. these leaps that you're just not ready to take um so the movie like I said it's completely different um I love both of them but everything Mm -hmm. I think I think a lot of what you're describing can be like met with the comic book good
0: to know it makes me want to check out the comic because I I do have like more interest in their friendship than I really do I mean even though it's like I I totally like understand the dynamic that like exists between enid and seymour and it's like if you haven't had a friendship like that yourself you know someone who has and it's very complicated and bizarre and worth exploring but it's just the way it takes over this story and When I was doing some research on the production, I guess that the way that the writing was split up was that Daniel Klaus focused on writing the friendship portions and then Terry Zweigoff focused on Enid and Seymour because Seymour was kind of an avatar for him where... like every record that Seymour has is Terry Zweigoff's record and like he designed Mm. Seymour's space because it was kind of a projection
7: of himself yeah no Terry Zweigoff is not like putting himself out there being like I can tell other people's story like he literally holds up a copy of Terry Zweigoff's band the cheap suit serenaders and he's like is that one any good and he's like no it's a hilarious joke but you know Uh. he's very it's very clear like who he is and what he's connected to but I didn't I, I don't know anything about splitting up the script that's new to me
0: yeah that's uh so uh, uh, the production as I was able to find was I mean obviously the collaborated on the final product, and it wasn't like this scene was written by Daniel this scene was written by Terry but as far as like developing the story those were kind of where their focuses lied where I mean like it sounds like Daniel Klaus was kind of continuing to develop the book portion and then Terry Zwigoff was um, expanding on a subplot that kind of ends up taking up the bulk of the movie. And I do I mean I think their friendship is really complicated and I what, what I some things that like resonated with me that I like are are in there and I kind of wish were explored a little more where like they uh Rebecca and Nina have this really really close friendship but you still see those like little resentments that pop up in a friendship that close. Uh, where there's certain moments where like Rebecca is being flirted with by someone, and Enid gets kind of annoyed and like is like fuck this, like I'm I'm
8: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not here for this, and like there, there's some tension that exists between them with Brad Renfro's character. Like there's little moments where it felt very authentic to like a teen friendship where you're like I love you and you are my entire life, but like fuck this. And, but like, I also hate you right now. <laughs> right for like this moment, I'm so pissed. Like that stuff is great and I feel like mm-hmm. there's there, there's kind of a tendency sometimes to um flatten out friendships like that and be like girl friendships are perfect they have no flaws they're blah 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 which is obviously not true mm-hmm. and it it was cool to see that represented and and to see the like way you grow apart from people in this like really painful confusing way shown mm-hmm. yeah I guess I just like I, I I guess I just need to read the book because that was what I was more interested in
5: yeah because instead the movie focuses on the, the movie quickly shifts focus to the relationship between Edith and Seymour which um, let's take a quick break and then we'll oh, yeah. come back to discuss it
0: Bean Dad The Dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey I do too Listen to Sixteenth Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: We started talking about this incident, drugs, and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts, it's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption.
6: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back. Uh, should we just jump into the Steve Buscemi stuff? Yes. The Buscemi section of the podcast. This <laughs> Yes. Someone pointed this out to us on I think it was Twitter. That um, so, Julie. We use this metric that I made up called the Buscemi test, which is basically just uh, if you sub in a like traditionally hunky guy with Steve Buscemi, is the interaction normal or is it way creepier? For
5: example, in The Notebook, yes, when Ryan Gosling is heavily pursuing Rachel McAdams and basically threatening to kill himself on a Ferris wheel unless she goes out with him sub in steve buscemi for and if and if suddenly it's creepy sure and someone pointed out to us they're like i think
0: that ghost world fails this very steve buscemi (laughs) related test and um i'm inclined to agree this movie what do you mean how does it fail that well i think that steve buscemi in this movie is playing a kind of creepy character at times and that it it yes reads that way I don't know I think that
5: uh, yeah I mean for me I don't know about everybody else I take a lot of issue with this relationship between Enid and um Steve Buscemi
7: yeah absolutely I mean look the last scene is the most humiliating re- ret- uh, retribution that he's like his mother's picking him up from therapy and like she's asking him what he wants for dinner and rolling his eyes and they shut the door. That's humiliating. That character gets come up and said, I frankly like I I love Seymour and I love Busemi's Seymour. I'm not saying that like it's okay to like, you know, be him and, and, you know, have had sex with Enid, but I also like I don't think he's a, I d I don't think he's like a villain by any stretch. I don't but think- I also don't think that the, the but the movie doesn't dodge him being creepy. I think it's like very very open about that. Yeah, I guess I I get
0: kind of, I get kind of lost in how the movie where the movie is trying to have you land on that because there are moments where it's obviously like Enid fucks with a lot of people and manipulates a lot of people and makes a ton of mistakes and seymour is very affected by these manipulative choices she's making but i did feel like the the fault fell pretty heavily on her of like how dare you be so like manipulative towards this sad man as as if like steve buscemi is not you know whatever 45 years old in this and can't
7: wait so you think the movie's like cutting him a break for what he's doing i think a little bit it feels that
5: to me as well
7: yeah i mean i think he's definitely like a sympathetic character like i think that I think that, like, as an audience member, you're definitely, like, falling in love with Seymour. But that's, that, in my opinion, that's because I think this is Enid's story. And she's the protagonist. And she's the person that you're meant to align with. So when she's falling in love with Seymour, you're kind of falling in love with Mm. Seymour. And then you fuck him. And the next day, you're like, what the fuck (laughs) did I do? And then you realize, like, oh, my God, he is so much older. And he doesn't have, like, the same frame of reference to me that, like, sex could be something that's like something that is meaningful and he takes it the wrong way and he gets obsessed, which happened. And that just was like, what did I, I fucked up um, from her point of view? Just knowing that, like, he's a mess. And she, she's like, I should have known that the whole time. But I don't think she's like, I don't think it's saying that she's doing anything wrong and that he's like an innocent, vulnerable person necessarily.
5: I guess for me, it's not made clear enough one way or the other. My whole thing is the age gap here. She is presumably 18 because she's just graduated. Although some people are still 17 when they graduate high school. I like turned 17 or I turned 18 on the day that I graduated. So Mm -hmm. like either way, she's barely out of high school. Her emotional brain is still developing and then she's befriending this man who
7: is. But that's all her decision. She's the she's the leader of that. That's her choice.
5: Yes, but I think that if if a, you're a forty something year old man and an eighteen year old young woman is trying to befriend you and initiates sex with you, you got to run the other way.
7: Well, she she finally she finally does at the very end she does. But mostly they're just friends, and it's like a little even weird, so. Sure.
5: Like I don't know. I think. I feel like it is kind of
0: on. And, and I guess that part of where I really started to like Seymour started to lose me was when you see his friends as well. And you're like, oh, this is just a creepy
7: group. Like this is. A- yeah, but he's better than those guys. He's better. When he when that when that dude. Do- yes. Because when that that scene with his neighbor who like farted and he was like, thanks for the talk. Uh, Yeah. No, I think you're setting. I think you're setting him up to see like he's from this world and there's a lot of people around him that fucking suck. But, like, I think with the right, like, people around him, he could be, as you say, like, different from the others. I don't know. I think
5: when <sighs> you're a 40-year-old man and even though, like, she's arguably cooler than him and, like, it's she's not as... She's absolutely cooler it, than him. It, yeah. Right. And it's not as though he has, like, fame or clout that he's exploiting to sleep with her. But to me, like, with an age gap like that... and It's not even the concept of an age gap that I take issue with. Like, if he were 50 and she were, what, 27, I would notice, but I wouldn't think much of it. It's the fact that she is a teenager and her emotional maturity still needs at least a few years of development. Like, even just looking at the way she meets Seymour... She plays this really childish and immature prank on him. Like, that's how they meet. And then, like, yeah, just overall, with their current ages and that situation there's an imbalance in that dynamic. There's a certain power that comes with I couldn't with... agree more. I
7: think that I think the film is, is totally acknowledges that. I
5: yeah, I I mean and like the fact that they don't end up together is is yeah. better. Not than... only they not end up together, he's punished. He, he's like... punished. She gets on a death bus maybe, who knows
7: what. No, 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 no. Like... She's not dead. She's <laughs> not dead. She, not dead. she okay. just <laughs> leaves town. Yeah, yeah. She's Yeah. She's she's disappearing.
5: Yeah, I just I really I guess I just I feel as though the movie doesn't challenge this relationship enough i think that Well, and i think that the,
0: uh, a reason that that may be is because the character that like we're talking about is a stand-in for the person making the movie so that may be one of the reasons
5: that
7: it i think come that down. enid is the protagonist i think that the creators aligned with enid for sure
5: i mean is definitely the protagonist yeah even so it's i don't know
7: i still feel
0: like i mean even though enid is the protagonist i, f- I just the amount of sympathy that the movie dishes out for seymour was like but you don't don't like seymour at all i do i do the thing is like i don't dislike seymour i i appreciate the way he's painted i appreciate that it's made clear that he is an insecure guy yeah uh he feels like he's at a
7: dead end in life he doesn't have a lot of he's not like trying to fuck her like he like that's i think he's just like (sighs) okay you're like my friend now but what the hell would she like it doesn't even occur to him like what would you even want with me I guess that just
0: wasn't my read of it. I I I, can, yeah. I believe that they are friends and they have a connection that is not explicitly sexual, but I do feel like like Caitlin, like you were saying, that it it it's like him as someone who's, you know, whatever two and a half times her age. Uh yes. it's on him to make a clear to not boundary. be friends
7: with her. Yeah, to not engage it. So she, so he shouldn't have been friends with her. I, yes, really? I think so.
5: Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's been working at. Cook's chicken for longer than she's been
7: alive. Like Yeah, but they have something in common and they're both
5: incredibly lonely. I I don't know. I can
7: I mean <laughs> it, the thing is I like, I've, I've, fr- I've had friendships with people that were much older than me at that age and I didn't feel like they were sexually predatory. I felt like I was so desperate for connection that I was and, and this was before the internet. I was looking for people that like I could talk to about anything cuz I just hated everyone so much and the people around me just couldn't connect to. Um, and I wanted to find some version of someone that maybe I could one day be.
0: I mean, I don't have an issue with them being friends per se like i I think that but where the story lands, like that's why I was so frustrated when he does say, Okay, let's have sex, let's do this because yeah, I, but he I never really does like he's him,
7: he resists but... the whole time, like he's like everything she does that sexual embarrasses him, like putting on the mask in that like x rated like video shop and like.
0: But then he still has sex with her and says he'll drop everything to, you know, marry her. So it's like
7: that's Well, that's because him. he loses his mind. That's, he loses his mind. So she comes over and she's like, have sex with me. And then the next morning he like loses his mind. Because I also get the sense that Seymour hasn't had sex for like 30 years.
0: <laughs> well, I just, I yeah, I guess that... If, if it was explicitly like a friendship between an older person and a younger person that you, there wasn't a trace of sex to be found. I mean, I'm not saying that older people can't be friends with younger people. Sure. Like I've had older friends when I was a teenager too. Like that's all good. Right. But, the, but the fact that, you know, for a lot of the movie, I was like, what is this friendship? And I was trying to figure out what is this friendship and then where it goes i feel like speaks to the fact that there was something vaguely sexual about it the whole time because that's how it pays off and then all of a sudden He's gonna drop everything to stay well, here yeah, with the teenager. Lose, he loses his
7: mind. He, bec- he 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 loses his mind. So and he pays the price for it for sure. I I do, I yeah. yeah.
5: But Jamie, I think you're like. There's always some like sexual undercurrent with just with the fact that she's like, I'm gonna help you find a girlfriend.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring
5: me to this sex shop. Uh, no one is like I've wanted yeah. to go forever, and and no one's been able to take me. Which does that imply that she's not old enough to go into a sex <laughs> shop? Like. What I don't know when mean... you were
7: a teenager didn't you want to go into those sex shops and be like oh my god I can't believe this dildo and like laugh about it with your friend
0: yeah well that's kind of why again I was like oh I wish that there was more Enid and Rebecca because Rebecca is so mm-hmm. frustrated when Enid like Rebecca's like wait you went without me and Enid's like yeah, yeah well you they, have used a to, job. they used
7: to try to do that shit together right. yeah and now like, they're not connecting yeah
0: that's something that I totally did with my friends and like but totally but it's like you know it's a it's on it's again it's like Seymour is the adult Adult in this situation and he doesn't have to be the guy that's like oh no this is so awkward for me but I guess I'll go in it's like he has to be the one to draw the boundary I guess and yeah. he, he doesn't have the ability to do it
7: I understand I I've seen like uh and this is not an excuse Be like I've seen so much worse <laughs> but like yeah. it's it, the power the power balance between the two of them is way more fluid than it is in something like Manhattan Sure. <laughs> yeah and she's definitely like the higher status partner the whole time and I do and I and I don't want to sound like shitty but like she I think she definitely comes over and like kisses him like I'm not gonna say like seduces him as much as she decides when she goes over there I'm going to kiss him I'm going to like I want to make out with Seymour that's to me there's no question that she shows up and that's where she is at and I don't think he Mm -hmm. would have ever initiated that with her I really don't sure she
5: she does um initiate basically every aspect of their yeah the relationship relationship. on her they're on On her her terms terms. absolutely um even so just the whole the the imbalance even though it's not necessarily that exploitative arguably on his end there's still a just you know the experience and the wisdom and the perceptions you gain along the way of being older and he has that and she doesn't and there's no substitute she can't li- read a book or you know listen to a record and then suddenly be wiser like she had like she- yeah he has so
7: if they hadn't fucked would you be fine with it i would be better with it
5: um but the fact that okay. they end up having just sex- yeah. so like just enid not knowing that it's a bad idea to pursue this man as a potential romantic partner that's like 20 plus years older than her when she is again just freshly graduated from high school like that is proof that she doesn't have the wisdom and experience and emotional maturity that she would need to be his equal and why doesn't Seymour think it's a bad idea to be hanging out with a teenager? Well, <laughs> lonely and wants to feel cool and all this stuff.
7: Well, and she's also very persistent. Like, it's very clear that she won't leave him alone.
5: But I don't know. when. I, anytime she was like, take me to the sex shop. Girlfriend, let's get you a girlfriend. Let's get you. And he should have been like, this is inappropriate. We need to draw a boundary here. And... The fact that it just yeah, goes but Seymour
7: on- should have also drawn that boundary like before he moved in with his mom again. Like,
5: I mean, I did I did
0: like that they show at the end that he like realizes that you know he had crossed a line. He had reach this low point and at least responds to that by being like, I have to get help. I need to like make changes in my life. Like that. Yeah. That never happens in movies. Seeing a man (laughs) in therapy in a movie is incredible. Like you don't see it a lot.
7: Yeah. But that stuff with the mom and the therapist is really mean. Like, I think it's really cruel. I don't know.
5: I mean, she's just there to like pick him up from this therapy appointment and maybe she has some boundary issues, but like I didn't, none of that struck me as like being that cruel I guess Rebecca is the only person
0: in the movie that doesn't have boundary issues she's she's very clear with her boundaries even with Enid where she's just like are we doing this or are we not and like stop being a flake and if you're gonna keep being a flake I can't be uh, in this friendship anymore
7: right right yeah she's a grown-up in that way she's yeah Mm
0: -hmm. she's I mean I guess we don't really know that much about her life and we don't really know like what the reasons may be for why she is growing up and maturing very differently than her Friend. Um, no we don't but she's she's the only person in the movie with boundaries
8: <laughs>
0: I don't know yeah that, that friendship felt very I mean it's definitely strange and that you know not, none of us are calling that into question I just feel like Steve Buscemi's character is lent even though he doesn't have a happy ending per se I feel like his I don't know the, the amount of uh, sympathy that the, the movie extended to him I, I thought was uh, strange Everyone
5: has an unhappy ending except maybe Rebecca. We don't really know. <laughs> yeah, she goes and buy she goes to IKEA, she buys her plastic cups. Jeez. She she's working at Starbucks, which brings me to uh, you know, just a few things that we have to call out in terms of Language that gets used, comments that sure, get made yeah. that are super reductive. I mean, the the R word gets said several times throughout the movie. Which is very 2001. Very 2001. You've got your... Uh, Rebecca saying that a, a man in the wheelchair doesn't even need that wheelchair, that he's totally just lazy. You know, like making accusations like that there's some weird there's like a yeah they're
0: not woke they're not they're, not woke. they're, they're definitely not they're wo- not woke, woke teens mm,
5: mm, no <laughs> so just you know very of the time i mean who was a woke teen in 2001 <laughs> yeah uh does anyone have any other final thoughts Um, I I
7: want you guys to ask me more questions because I think I have such a different like notion of this, but I don't know where to jump in.
5: Um, you know what I
7: mean? I don't. Well,
5: what are your thoughts on it? Like, what are your feelings? I love
7: it. I (laughs) love it. I think it's an amazing movie. Like, I relate to it so powerfully as a, as a human woman. Like, I think that like Enid is like one of the best characters of all time. I've like, there've been so few times when I've seen myself on screen, the way that I see myself with Enid. And I remember like, even my mom, when that came out was like, oh my God, like that was what you were coming from. Like (laughs) there there was just something. So I I just, I think that Enid is such a three-dimensional character. I think her like, I Totally get her. All the stuff that you were saying about them not being woke, like that's her trying to figure out what funny is and like trying to be shocking and like and then and then like you know kind of pressing the boundaries of it and then she meets with that like Pat Healy character who's like in the subculture, but he's a piece of shit because he's got all those anti-Semitic jokes, and she's like, Oh wait, no, fuck that guy. That guy sucks. I'm not that guy. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of like dipping her toe into different subcultures. And am I that? Am I that? They live in the suburbs, they live in hell, you know. (laughs) They like they they decide like one day to like follow the satanist couple and like that's a day mm-hmm. um or or just like you know that they're what they're goofing on that stand-up comedian and they're like uh, mm-hmm. instead of like that's a loser they're like we should marry him like yeah they're like he they're- sucks yeah. i want to fuck him Th- that that shit there's so much specificity to that that i've never seen before and um it's just like i just think it speaks so uh it's like as clear as a bell to like mentally where you are when you are stuck and you are trapped and your be- you and your best friend are going through shit and you don't know what to do i've just i've just never seen a character like that that i've connected with on that level
5: especially cuz so many teen movies of that era especially like the late 90s but even into the you know early and mid 2000s they were these stories that are usually about like a teen girl having some kind of like sex bet against her or a prom, like, Oh, I bet you can't turn this girl into a prom queen or, you know, some other horribly manipulative thing that often would strip any agency away from the female character, the, the teen girls. So the fact that this story does give these characters a lot of agency. Does explore their interior lives more than a lot of other teen movies were doing. And this movie, these characters subvert some of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I, li- I like that they're like given given the space and like agency to like make mistakes, which they do constantly, which is what teenagers do constantly. Uh, I like that like one of them has to get a job. You never see that in a teen movie mm-hmm. where usually it's just like yeah there it's it's a lot easier to put a teen movie in an affluent neighborhood so that the plot can just happen and no one has to go do something <laughs> to survive. like I, th- there are aspects of this movie that I'm like, you know it it's way more than you're getting from teen movies at this time specifically.
7: And it's, I think a bigger, it's bigger than a teen movie. The blues hammer scene is super funny. That I liked that. Yeah,
5: sure. I just mean like teen movies and it, it revolves around teenagers. And
7: I was just going to say also that like, I think it, it subverts the Bechtel stuff because when Seymour is like oh she's in love with Josh it's like Enid's head could not be further away from Josh mm-hmm. <laughs> like even the even the fact that like Rebecca may or may not be like dating him, it doesn't matter like Enid's not thinking about Josh no. Enid's thinking about like what the fuck is she gonna do who the fuck is she she doesn't have her art scholarship she like doesn't know you know where her place in the world is she has one friend that it's Seymour she's like she talks about being horny as hell and like not knowing where to put it mm-hmm. and she wants to make Make this like mistake and then she doesn't know what else to do but the i in other words the idea that like those two were you know and you mentioned before about the two of them talking about josh enid's not jealous because rebecca's hanging out with josh enid's jealous of josh right like she wants to hang out with rebecca seymour is obviously more important and i love that line when rebecca's just like i'm so sick of seymour <laughs> yeah because he is getting in the way and she is seeing her friend disappear but also like I feel like enid's always been like that and rebecca's changed but that's because the movie aligns you with enid to see from enid's point of view that's like oh you've changed you both changed but the situation has changed Mm -hmm. and to have to figure out what to do with that when the world is like hell and you're trying to choose between like oh like there's this like weird old guy and I do there's so many things in that where they're just like so beautifully stated where he's like do you like him is he a nerd it's like well he is sort of like the exact opposite of everything I hate (laughs) you know just his like I do hate sports and then him in traffic uh (laughs)
5: have some more kids why don't you yeah
7: (laughs) I don't know like I've just I've never I've never really like seen myself quite so vividly on screen as I have in this uh especially like from that I guess point in my life yeah yeah I
5: also like the kind of there's almost this idea of like the inevitability of selling out is something, at least for some of the characters where like, you know, we have. Yeah. Growing up. Right. Growing up means means to sell out because you have to have a job to support yourself. Uh, Yeah. But like there's that one character who she's, I think, buying VHS tapes from or something. And he's really awful to her. And then he says something like, oh, you want to like take down. Society, go to business yeah. school and you know work, get a job at a corporation and take them down from the inside. That's what I'm gonna do. And like, that's so 2001 <laughs> too. That's like that
0: mentality of mm-hmm. just like, yeah. no, 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 participate in capitalism to the fullest extent, and and that's how we're gonna get rid of it.
7: Oh yeah, it's just like so many different shades of nightmare around her. Like you, you could be this nightmare person. You could be this horror show. Mm-hmm. It's
0: so yeah. There, I don't. I mean, I guess I, I'm so confused. I I like that. I'm I guess I kind of appreciate that I'm conflicted about certain aspects of uh, of Enid and of Rebecca because it's like I respect the hell out of Enid's like commitment to being like I'm not going to participate in all of this bullshit and also that the movie pretty clearly illustrates like well then, you're just going to be pretty lost if you're if you're not willing to have a job, totally if you're lost. not willing to put in an effort, and if you're disillusioned with everything, yeah, you're left with very few options of how to live your life. You're
7: fucked. You're broken. You're you're alone,
0: and you're also fucked if you do participate, which is what we see through Rebecca. Of like, she's playing the game, but she's not totally happy. Well,
7: I don't know if she's fucked as much as she's just kind of grown up in a specific way that Enid hasn't. Mm. You know, that's where she's like, you've changed. It's it's just that. Rebecca can like move forward and Neenid can't in that particular way. Mm-hmm. She's a different kind of person. They're just different kinds of people. Sure. And they met each other's needs for the time that they were together, but it's time to move on. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. I and I just, uh, again, I just wish that the story was more
5: about their characters and their friendship. You're love yeah. the book. Yeah. I'm so
7: excited for you to read the book. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. It's one of my favorite. I, I just love these characters so much. I love the book. I love the movie.
5: And thora Birch is so great. She's awesome. She's amazing.
7: Yeah,
0: and she's a teenager playing a teenager, which mm-hmm. never happened. And like,
7: there is not a shred of inauthenticity mm-hmm. to anything she does in that movie. Mm-hmm. Even just the way she carries her body, the way she like tries to figure out like, is this my look now? Like the green
5: hair, and then someone insults her for the green hair, so then she dyes it and back it to goes black.
7: <laughs> it's <very> sad.
5: Yeah. <laughs> And those moments too were
0: her whole like her whole thing that she'll tell you is like I don't care about fitting in like fuck this blah 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 fuck you fuck you fuck you but then she is very insecure and very sensitive because teenage like it's like she's she doesn't know who she is she wants to be accepted somewhere but if there is pushback well, on the she's trying to find who she
7: fits with Yeah she's absolutely yeah. trying to find a soulmate because she lost so much with Rebecca mm-hmm. and Seymour's the closest thing but it can't work can't work oh, sorry. can't work doesn't work can't work again. yeah
0: so, I, I was interested in because this is like such a cold classic of like, were there any other uh, endings? Was there a studio interference? What was the whole situation there? Mm-hmm. And there was a, a fair amount. So, part of what I found out is that, yeah, Zygoff was uh, focused on developing the Seymour an Enid storyline, where Klaus focused on the Enid and Rebecca storylines, but I also found out a lot. I guess part of the reason that Rebecca ends up not being in the final script as much is because uh, Thora Birch was, I guess, legally an adult when they were shooting it, and Scarlett Johansson was only fifteen. So the oh way- really? She's only fifteen when this movie is shot, so she like whoa couldn't physically be there as much. So they had to plan around the fact. Like I guess her storyline got pared down partially just logistically like
5: kids can only be on set for a certain amount of time a day. So that's wild that they would cast an even younger because normally they're casting, you know, 29 year olds to play 18 year olds. (laughs) That's wild that they cast someone a few years younger than the character's age. Okay. Hmm. And in in one version of the ending, uh,
0: Zweigoff had Seymour die by suicide at the end of the movie, but that got written out as well. And then the studio, this one made me laugh. That I was like, I, there has to be a ridiculous studio suggestion. And the studio suggestion was that the movie ends in a double wedding where Enid marries Seymour and Rebecca marries Josh.
1: <laughs> which I think was, that was
0: a studio's pitch. That was a studio <laughs> pitch, and then they were just like, absolutely not. Which, uh good, that's yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. So that did make me appreciate at least that, like. I mean, this was not an easy movie to make. It took a long time to get produced. And no one ends happy, which is obviously, like, I mean, a really unusual thing to be able to get past a studio. Anyways, it's like all these people are deeply flawed and kind of suck in a lot of ways. And no one ends up particularly happy, which is just, you know, uncomfortably close to what real life is like. Mm-hmm. Um so I appreciate that and yeah. the double wedding ending suggestion is very funny to me because
5: <laughs> what what a typical studio note
0: what a... <laughs> I know they're like what if they all just got married at the end mm-hmm.
5: has a studio ever known what's good for a story or ever known what an audience actually wants like I I feel like no
7: yeah I don't know <laughs> I do want to mention that I disagree with you about the Roberta the art teacher character Um, I think that, like, as a comic actress, like, that's, like, Mana from heaven, like Ileana <laughs> Douglas, had so much to do. That character's so funny. When she shows that short film Mirror Father <sighs> right. uh, yeah. Father Mirror. mirror. Father, and <laughs> then at the end, if you watch the credits, like her parents are like the producers, <laughs> and like it keeps repeating <laughs> right. like her last name. It's like special thanks to like produced, and it's like so clear that oh, like yes. her parents funded it. And she's not just like, they're not just taking pot shots at the tampon and a teacup thing, like they make fun of that that guy like with the who had the the like clearly like serial killer that's like oh, oh it's the, the mutilator the and then it's like and there's right. that scene that ends with like I know that this is Phillips or whatever it is. Sure. (laughs) So like, yeah, there's definitely like a lot of comedy in like those art school scenes that I think are like beyond, you know, just like goofing on feminists.
5: Sure. A lot of uh, basically all the art gets made fun of. Um, Also just shout out to mirror father mirror, which I'm sure is a feminist (laughs) text. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's those, I mean, those points about like rich art kid nepotism shit. Like I love that shit. That's like, I wish that it was, it was more focused on, on that. And Ileana Douglas does an amazing job in that role. I don't know. There's just so, certain points of it. I'm just like, why, you know, why that
5: aspect? Um, well, that brings us to a conversation with friend of the cast, past guest on our Space Jam episode, a brilliant writer, all-around terrific person, Princess Weeks hello
8: hi guys hi guys thank you for having me on again
5: welcome back yes so we wanted to hear your thoughts kind of just general thoughts overall about the movie but to start just kind of focusing specifically on how you felt the movie handled race
8: so terribly um i i just i i found it was so weird because i literally wrote in my notes the coon's chicken thing is weird af yes. because it feels so arbitrarily put in there to just give sort of like a third act conflict mm-hmm. to the story and not something that felt very organically put in especially because the the cast itself is so white yeah that it's like there is no black opinion except for that one girl who's like it's not cool you know at and during the during the art presentation and it just feels so ignorant and there's a larger conversation that could be had about that because i know just recently we had a conversation about like aunt jemima i know like in lovecraft country which is airing right now Mm -hmm. even in the first episode you see the aunt jemima poster Mm -hmm. in juxtaposition to a bunch of like white kids mocking black people so there is like a very big history of like racist caricatures in the way that um, that you know um the united states canada uk have done food products mm-hmm. but like Enid is not a character who's, who cares about that kind of stuff you exactly know? she's not even like a daria type because i know people have compared like this to daria but daria would actually care daria would at least she would read have, a book like, the priest <laughs> She has the pretense of care. She's like, or would at least ask Jody to be like, hey, Jody, do you want to like tag team on this? <laughs> this just seems like Enid trying to get out of doing a project, which is weird because she already is an artist. So I don't really know why she needs to like, literally be like, I found this art and put it in an art show. It, it's so arbitrary, it's so weird, it's clumsy. And it only serves to put Steve Buscemi's character, Seymour, and Enid in a position of conflict for like five minutes. It's really useless.
5: Yeah, because it's like you said, Enid is this white woman who, as far as we know, doesn't seem to care about racial injustice or racism. She just finds this image and she's like, oh, this will actually help me get a leg up in my art class because she basically brings it in because her teacher has been saying you need to be more mm-hmm. provocative and political with your art, and she's like, "Oh, well that this might do that." Well, and she goes like full like Richard Prince, and she's like, "Yeah, I
0: didn't do anything. This is someone else's work, but does it make you feel right. something? Right. Like it's just, I don't
8: and know. it's so weird because it's like they establish her getting called you know anti-Semitic slurs. So it's like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't that?" connect to it or why wouldn't she have anything else to pull from it
5: yeah yeah because it feels like she brings it in just to like show up that other girl in her class who's been bringing in all that provocative art and it's just like so you're just there's just like no real conversation like no it
0: it, i guess watching certain scenes back you're just like i does the movie think she's like it seems like the movie generally comes down on her side of like yeah, you know what? This was a cool thing to have done. And the art because the art teacher has already been set up as like this cartoon and has already been set up as like this is not someone you need to take seriously. Her approval and like I don't I don't know. It's just it it it's such a mess in the way that it's presented. And Princess like you were saying there's no there's no black character in this movie who isn't an unnamed student or an unnamed parent to, like, provide any sort of comment on this that would be relevant. Like, it's just so bizarre. I don't know.
8: Sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, this is 2000s. And, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, ooh, first four minutes, we get an R word, we get some casual ableism in how we frame characters. Yeah. What? You know? Like, just, I, I feel like I feel like it's just so hard because, like, she's always saying these weird homophobic things. Like, when she's like, oh, yeah, we're gonna have to get checked for AIDS <sighs> after he this girl gets date raped i'm just like what is this for and it, and it feels so of that era you know what these this movie made me think of two movies that i felt like book smart and jennifer's body because book smart i think is very much like the like great 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 grand aunt of like it like you know the descendant of this kind of film because it's like two women who are like not popular but still interact but i think book smart again because it's you know written by women i believe directed by a woman it's like you get more of this mm-hmm, intimacy mm-hmm. of like a friendship like when it comes down to it edith spends more time with steve buscemi than she does with rebecca so i really have yeah. no context for why they're friends besides they're both just mean and that doesn't that's not a personality and it's like with jennifer's body you know, which is again written directed by women. Not a perfect film in terms of like the dialogue. All the dialogue is very dated. But yeah. you get like Ooh, a yeah. very intimate look at the friendship and tension between these two girls going into these different transitions in their life. Like there's just there's just not enough time spent with these two young girls transitioning to this new phase of life for me to feel like this is like really about them. Like I did not realize right. how much Steve Buscemi was going to be in this movie because like <laughs> all you ever see is like Scarlett Johansson and and Enid and I'm just like but it's not about them and I found that to be really disappointing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was I was curious about your feelings on that friendship too because we have had I mean like a, a lot of discussion about that as well of uh, like I you know when when I was younger I definitely had friends with older people but it was I don't know just the the gray areas of that relationship that there's endless discussion but I was curious on what your what your take on that was
8: it's like I have like two brains about it like I have like honestly like my 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 feminist brain and then I have like my just storytelling brain and like as a (laughs) storytelling device I think that it's handled in a way that I think is as respectful as it can be for something so like odd like I think that they do a good job of not having Seymour be predatory in like how he treats Enid I feel Mm, like for the most part throughout their relationship he's very respectful of Enid like he and even and even with Dana when he's like stopped hanging out with I'm like he's doing a lot of the right things but my feminist brain has a problem with it because then it's putting all of the autonomy of instigating the sexual relationship on Enid who is like 18 max right right? because she just graduated high school who is like drinking who is like i feel like there's like it's steve buscemi's character who should be setting these boundaries Yes. like when dana Mm -hmm. comes in and is like why are you friends with someone this young it's a legitimate question you know like why are you friends with someone this young and like i can't like i've had relationships with much older men and like do i think that all of them were correct No. And I think that it's one of those things where if it was like, this was something that she did, and we had more time to even spend with her being like, I regret it. I rushed into this thinking that I was being empowered, but I really wasn't because I, I'm just with him because I need to feel something with somebody. That would be mm-hmm. interesting, but instead, because Steve Buscemi like gets fired and he's sad about it, it becomes all about her having to go and say like, "I think that you're great. You're my hero." And I'm like, "Girl, what?" I just it it, it becomes all about her uplifting him and like making him feel better. That like, even the things that could be interesting about exploring this relationship between them is really limited mm-hmm. because it's all about him yeah it's
0: it is like a very bizarre treatment of the i don't know like we we sort of discussed kind of the mindset you're talking about like being both minds about it of like it
8: doesn't make i i don't know i
0: i don't know i don't know this movie is difficult difficult yeah
8: and i think also like you said like it's not there are so many things in the movie where i'm like if we could just spend more time with enid in this moment it would be so much more meaningful I think, like, she spends all this time trying to get Seymour a date, which, girl, why? I don't understand. Why? And then, like, he does with someone who she doesn't approve of, and then instantly she's, like, jealous. But she doesn't do... Why does it have to default to you having sex with a much older man? Like, why Why does it have to... The... Why can't you just, just go on that bus right. without having to cross that line? Or maybe even, does it just be a kiss? Why does it have to be sex? You know, like, why does it have uh-huh. to be that thing, which, like... And have it be her who's, like... Not even discuss it. Just like, oh, I rushed into this, and he's like, so you're gonna move in with me, and it and it frames him to be the victim. Yeah. In in so much of that, and I'm not saying that he's a villain, but I am saying that he is old enough to have better judgment about what this relationship is. You know, mm-hmm. like yes. even if they are gonna have sex, if I think he really genuinely believes that she's gonna move in with him or that he's gonna break up with his like appropriate girlfriend to be like, you know what I mean? It's just like.
0: You do just, I'm like, I do wish that she had someone in her life to talk to who wasn't Steve Buscemi in this moment. And then the Steve Buscemi character, I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot of, even like the details around Steve Buscemi's character where, you know, Seymour is like, you know, I don't think an aggressively bad person, but he, he gets away with a lot, including Kind of ending up with this victim narrative when he is friends with a teenage girl and needs to be the adult in this situation, and then mm-hmm. in the same way when he is like, I don't know, just the way that he is like, ha- he has this racist art at his house, he loves black music, and and is like hanging out with all his old guy white friends and there's there's no self-awareness around that there's no real accountability applied to him in terms of like well if you know you're working for such a racist company why you know why and right. and mm-hmm. that that was another thing that it seems like the movie might try to like attempt to address probably not well but attempt but then it's just kind of dropped of like well he just has this he just has this and it's just a thing he has
5: right and it's the same thing with like when Enid brings the art in and she's trying to justify why she thinks it's this like profound piece of art and she really stumbles through her answer and gives what's essentially a non-answer but her art her white art teacher was like this is remarkable Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay is the intent of this movie to show how cavalier white people tend to be about racism but i'm like if that is the intention it's again it's so poorly handled because we're only seeing this through white characters perspectives like the couple black characters you see who are like protesting at the little gallery show or like the the character who is credited as black student in the art classroom is just (sighs) like hey that it's not right and that's the only perspective you get on it from any black people and it's just like ugh, so much of this stuff that we're talking about apparently
8: is not what the graphic novel includes right no there's not
0: a lot of Steve Buscemi
8: yeah he's not in it a lot it is much more about Enid and Rebecca's friendship Mm -hmm. so things that make you go hmm to quote Lindsay is like why is it when you made this movie about these two teenage girls going through this, you know, transitional space, did it all of a sudden have to have like a male character have such a giant role in this film? Like, that's, yeah, that sus to me, like, mm-hmm. and after reading that, I was like even more disappointed because you can tell at the beginning that there's are supposed to be these elements of like how close they are together like from what i've read there's definitely more discussion about them being perceived as queer together and i'm like oh yeah that's definitely there they don't explore it at all
0: mm-hmm. rebecca's barely there like, yeah
8: she's barely there and there's supposed to be this whole issue of like rebecca being the attractive one that everyone wants and it's just like they don't really do anything with it. There's supposed to be this whole thing with Josh. They don't do anything with that. So, it just feels like a lot of missteps in attempts to make mm-hmm. it more, I don't know, cynical, male-focused. <laughs> like it feels like it feels like they're like we need a guy to sell this movie, and they like let's get Steve Buscemi,
5: right? And it's
8: like, and it's like I can tell that this movie because it is very beloved, and I can mm-hmm. see that because I think that any time that a movie comes out. Like, with two teenage girls where they're just very mad. It's because, like, usually, you know, it's, like, the mean girls or the cluelesses. And it's, like, oh, yeah, finally a, a movie for the other kinds of girls. But mm-hmm. I hate that mm-hmm. dichotomy anyway. Yeah, is is there anything else
0: you wanted to uh, to touch on?
8: No, I just, I remember, like, when they sleep together, I, like, wrote on my iPad, I was, like... Underline, 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 underline. I was so like gobsmacked. I really wish I enjoyed it more because I think that the performances are really good. Like I actually like Scarlett Johansson in the movie. Wow. Surprise. Mm-hmm. But she was really I thought she was good in this. <laughs> I actually liked her character more. I thought Steve Buscemi was you know very good. Like he was I I really connected to his performance. It made me like probably enjoy Seymour much more than I would have otherwise.
0: The last thing I wanted to <laughs> sure so i read this piece by my friend megan keister she wrote a profile on terry zweigoff a couple of years ago in yeah 2017 and she includes a picture of thora birch and scarlett johansson in ghost world and they like wrote a little message to terry zweigoff and uh you know interpret as you will (laughs) but scarlett johansson who is 15 when this movie came out or 16 Mm -hmm. Um, She writes next to her name, Terry, as much as I would like to think you wouldn't, please don't hang this picture on your bedroom ceiling, Scarlet. So, you know, for everyone's consideration.
8: (laughs) Jesus. There is that scene where, like, David Cross's character is, like, hitting on her, and I'm like, she's obviously a child. (laughs) Like, (laughs) truly.
0: Yeah. I was equally like jump scare to see David Cross in this movie as <laughs> I was jump scare to see Bob Odenkirk in Little Women. Like you yeah. just don't see
5: either of them coming. You're, You're like, like
7: what?
5: Him? <gasps> <laughs> the twist. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well thank you for for joining us, Princess. Yes, for this, thank you for this having special you. little segment. Uh we'll we'll return to the the regularly scheduled episode. Uh, but first, um, where can people f- follow you online and check out your stuff? So they can follow me at Weeks
8: Princess on Twitter, and they can find my YouTube channel Melinda Pendulum
5: as well. Well, thank you again so much. And yeah, we'll talk to you m- soon. Back to the episode. So as far as the Bechtel test goes, it does pass handily does. mostly between enid and rebecca there's also just a lot of different combinations of characters female characters speaking to each other but let's put it to our nipple scale so a nipple scale of zero to five nipples what is this <laughs> this is the bechdel cast nipple scale uh, so uh zero to five nipples based on how the movie fares from an intersectional feminist lens so On one hand, you do have a different version of teen girls than we have seen prior to this in most movies geared towards teenagers and young adults, so... I think there's a lot of value in that. I do see how relatable Enid is for a lot of people, me included, both Enid and Rebecca. Like I saw parts of myself in Enid and Mm. in Rebecca and maybe even Josh, you know, I also was making ice cream for children as a teenager. So, you know. And just like teenagers torturing each other at their jobs is a very (laughs) universal experience. Yeah. Because I have no nostalgia or attachment to this movie and I'm coming at it strictly from yes. the lens of really just having like seeing it as a young person only that mm-hmm. one time and then watching it through my current lens, it's sure it's really I'm able to sort of separate things um in a different way than someone who did grow up with this movie and does have more of an attachment to it, I guess. And that's just sort of yes. the nature of what this show is. Like Got it. how does the media we saw as young people, how did that affect us? How did that affect culture at large? You know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, like yeah, what is it like to revisit it? And... Right. So with all of that in mind, <laughs> that plus the things that I take a big issue with, which is the, the way it really mishandles the racist art component of the story, the fact that there is a sexual relationship between these two characters who have such an enormous disparity in their emotional maturity. And yes, you could make the argument that Seymour is not the most emotionally mature man in his forties ever. But like, he has a better sense of who he is. He knows what he likes. He has established an adult life for himself. Whereas Enid is still figuring out who she is and what she wants. And again, she's just so newly out of high school she has not lived as an adult and her emotional maturity is still developing and the whole situation just gave me a lot of pause and just made me overall feel pretty uncomfortable. So with all that in mind, I guess I would give it, for me, it just kind of goes right down the middle, like a Mm -hmm. 2.5 nipples is what I will give it. (laughs) And we also uh, award our nipples. So if you'd like to do that, um, that is an option to you. So I will give one of my nipples to Enid, one to Rebecca, (laughs) and I will give one to the art teacher
7: to roberta yeah. yeah
0: roberta gets a half i'll go i'll go two and a half on this one as well yeah I, I, I like i i like how uh how much agency the characters have i like how much they fuck up i like they're like trying to fit in failing to fit in trying to fit in again like all of that is so, like, I, I feel like almost any teen girl could see parts of themselves in that process of trying on a personality. Oh, this isn't working. Fuck this. I'm going to try this. And, and all that is so cool and universal and, and I think well told. And I, and I, I feel like the Seymour relationship could be a component of that, of like, here is that it that is sort of like a friendship. You know, Enid is trying that friendship on saying, is this where I belong? But then it just ends up taking up so much space in a way that I'm like, I would yeah. have rather have seen her continue to have that like kind of pinball struggle instead of really honing in on this one relationship and friendship. I just kind of wish
7: that they had chosen a different target to stay focused
0: on sure there so
7: i have so much compassion for adolescents i swear to god like the way that your brain grows and at what rate and the hormones like i really do i have so much compassion for people Mm -hmm. like who are going through that phase of life
0: and showing that discomfort is like really
7: powerful it's so challenging it's so challenging Mm -hmm. yeah i think
5: we as humans are all permanently traumatized by our adolescence oh for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) for sure um
7: except for people like melora and that's why you're like oh fuck off melora. why are you so goddamn chipper oh melora also melora how do you not know we don't like you all we're doing is being bitchy you've know. never once gotten the hint hey guys we should hang out sometime Malora. Valora. she's
5: not perhaps
0: the most self-aware. <laughs> she's no, not a shred of self-awareness about her.
7: No, uh, Laura, move forward.
0: But yeah, there's like a, the the focus on. I mean, kind of similar to you, Caitlin. I think that the way that they treat race in this movie is very weird and and doesn't. This was not a movie where they could have handled that responsibly without bringing in other people, which they didn't. And so that whole storyline, to the point where like the only black characters who speak are kind of made to seem oversensitive for yeah. being unhappy with the choices that Enid is making. So they're like, race stuff
7: on it. Zero nipples.
0: Really bad. Negative. Yeah. Nipples. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 2.5 as well. Yeah, one to Enid, one to Rebecca, and a half to the girl who put the tampon in the cup.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. tampon
7: in a teacup. Good for her. Good for her.
5: Julie, how about you? I don't know.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I give it one me at 18. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. How's that?
5: Yeah. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being here. What an yeah, interesting discussion you. this movie has spawned. I know. Uh, yes,
7: <laughs> and thank you for continuing to challenge, you know, my ideas about intersectional feminism, and and to you know, give me things to think about and other people things to think about. And you know, generationally, I'm just very appreciative of all approaches to you know, feminism and, and just thinking about things the way I had, have, I haven't been conditioned to. And I, I've just, uh, I, I really, I really appreciate those insights to kind of like throttle me from my, <laughs> my little comfort seat of things that I've believed since I was, you know, a start, like, I don't know. I just, I just appreciate the more conversation the better. So yeah, it's a
5: journey. It's a journey that we're, we're there. There's things we have to learn. There's things we have to unlearn. It's a process. So we're all we're right there with you.
7: Yeah. Yeah, but good luck with those De Palma movies. Yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, wow, we will. Wow. Might be a while we, till
0: we. we return. Good luck there. <laughs> Ooh,
5: <laughs> De Palma, the Palma. There's no urgency. <laughs> Where can people follow you?
7: Check out your stuff. Plug away. I am uh, on Twitter, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, listen to Double Thread. It's a podcast I do with Tom Sharpling and subscribe, and it's really fun, and I do that every week. And then I created a show called Difficult People that I co-star in with Billy Eichner, and Yay. all of those are on Hulu, Yay. so I'm very proud of yeah. those.
5: You can follow us on social media at Bechtelcast. You can subscribe to our Patreon, aka Matreon, which is five dollars a month and it gets you two bonus episodes every month, plus access to the entire back catalog of bonus episodes. That's available at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. We've also got our merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. You can it. Shirts, pillows, masks, even all kinds of stuff. Also, thanks again to Princess Weeks for uh, joining us for that special segment. Be sure to check out her work and follow her on social media as well. And uh, that-